Hello and welcome to Therapy Unwound, the place that is set out for all of us to delve into the wonderful world of therapeutics. My name is Jenny Walker and I'm an advanced clinical massage and physical rehabilitation therapist, anatomy nerd and currently a master's student at the University of the West of England. Here in my studio at Cornerstone Therapies, we delight in the daily exploration of renewed health for the body and the mind. And I'm very happy to be here today to share some work that we have been developing around the subject of sleep and anxiety. The two are so inextricably linked and have such a significant effect on us that to not talk about it would be deplorable. For my clients at Cornerstone Therapies, regular homework is the foundational ingredient in the physical rehabilitation recipe that we like to cook up here at the studio. And as reading is exercise for the mind, books are often advised for my clients to read or listen to on Audible and ingest. As a podcast listener and following along with our anxiety series in March 2021, you'll know that we are currently reading Dr. John Deloney's Redefining Anxiety the book that encouraged the development of this podcast series on Therapy Unwound. Indeed, if you're part of our Ko-Fi community, you'll be able to join Sophie and I as we discuss the book at the end of March with all of you. Today, I would like to thank Dr. Matthew Walker, who is sadly no relation, and his work in his book, Why We Sleep. He's a pretty cool guy in all honesty, Well, he must be, as his TED Talks have over 5 million view counts, he knows how to wear a waistcoat, and secretly, I am always very happy to see a scientist from the UK rock out over in America. But apart from all that, he's a sleep expert, and his book changed the way that I viewed my clients' health here at the studio. No other book has flipped the treatment switch in such a short space of time, and as soon as I finished it, I started asking my clients how they sleep and what their sleep patterns were before any other question in our consultation time. And I have since put sleep as the highest priority in our sorting out, even before diets, water intake, pain management and exercise. To put sleep before all of them allows all of them to happen. Without sleep, we die. It's that simple. Within three pages of his book, Matthew Walker points out that the National Sleep Foundation and the World Health Organization recommend that we get no less than eight hours of sleep a night, and they have also declared a sleep epidemic. Any less than eight hours and their hormones go to pot. The immune system is trashed, leading to cancer risks. Alzheimer's disease becomes a real concern, and after a week of bad sleep, Sugar levels are so disrupted that pre-diabetes becomes a health risk. Arteries become brittle and that is linked to coronary health disease. And most worrying of all for people with mental health concerns, depression, anxiety and suicidality go up without regular good quality sleep. But no matter what the books tell us, sleep is oh so personal. And at this point there needs to be some disclosure on my part. I have not been sleeping well for around seven months. Waking at night with night terrors most nights of the week with a heart that races so fast that I think it's going to stop has become a regular feature. The effects during the day, clumsiness, poor coordination, dizziness, lack of intelligence, lack of word recall, the feeling of TV static in my long muscles and tripping all led to a season of MRI scans and blood tests, 
so much so that I was seriously thinking of just donating a few pints for them to stick in the stockroom. There is, very fortunately, nothing too much wrong with me that can't be sorted out with a holistic band of medical experts and therapists around me. But sleep, for me, is personal. I feel it daily and I seek it nightly. Anxiety, as written on the Sleep Foundation's website, can be worse at night as hyperarousal in the mind is often heightened during this time. Worry becomes a thought loop that is almost impossible to come out from, and generalised anxiety affects 3.1% of the American population, and that does not include PTSD, social anxiety disorder, panic disorders and the like. So it is fair to say that millions of people in North America are spending sleep time awake, worrying and anxious. Here in the United Kingdom, the numbers make for some sober reading. In 2019, Anxiety UK published that in 2013, 5.9% of adults in the United Kingdom experienced Generalised Anxiety Disorder, or GAD, and 24% of those were members of the BAME community. In 2016, the NHS Adult Psychiatric Morbidity Survey, Survey for Mental Health and Wellbeing, stated that, quote, 39% of adults aged 16 to 74 with conditions such as anxiety or depression surveyed in England were accessing mental health treatment in 2014. This figure has increased from 1 in 4, 24%, since the last survey carried out in 2007. So to put it simply, there's been a 15% increase within seven years of people who are feeling anxious or depressed and are seeking mental health treatments within the UK. With everything that has been happening over 2020, we can only wait for the poignant statistics that will be registered in new reports following the pandemic. There is a catch-22 that happens at bedtime for those who are anxious about their sleep. They worry about not getting to sleep so much that they increase the hyperarousal in their minds so that they cannot get to sleep. How unfair is that? So there needs to be some tips and tricks to help all of us get those magic eight hours of unconsciousness. The ones that I give my clients are the ones that I have been using myself most nights and boy, do I notice if I don't do them. I hope that they help you also if you are struggling, but please do give them time to settle in. They are not a magic wand. They are, however, routines. And I can all hear you sigh at the word routine. Indeed, many of my clients seem to sag in their chair, roll their eyes and groan. But just like kids, we actually respond incredibly well to strongly held boundaries, routines and orders. Our brains and bodies heal when chaos is taken out of the equation. The first step is very simple. And believe me, I have decided not to work with some clients who refuse to follow it. So take it from me. It's very important. Take all electronic devices out of your bedroom. I mean it. All you need is a good alarm clock. I advise a Lumi clock to my clients and I love my own and a basic speaker that has a Bluetooth connection. Mine is a small Marshall. You don't need a TV, an iPod or an iPad, a phone or anything else in your bedroom. They are not appropriate or conducive to rest and sleep, so just get them out of there. I have heard 
every excuse under the sun about people needing them close by, but they are not a loving partner and so they do not deserve to share your bed or the room in which you heal. I promise you, your sleep will not improve unless you do this first step. Why is the speaker so important? It's the question I hear a lot and the answer is also simple. Audiobooks. I think Stephen Fry has read me the Harry Potter books, Greek myths and Sherlock Holmes most nights over the past few years and I cannot tell you the ending of any of them. Finding an actor's voice that you can put on at a very low level so that it lulls you to sleep can be very effective. And with Bluetooth, you can still have your phone outside the room, so there's still no excuse. At three in the morning, when I wake up with a night terror, having his voice tell me stories about Hercules means I don't lie there thinking about the dissertation that I am writing and researching, And believe me, sleep comes quicker when essays aren't my internal dialogue. The second trick is make your bed. A clear bed is a pleasure to get into. It doesn't visually remind you of the restless night you had before. It is welcoming, fresh and warm. Clean cotton or linen sheets, pillows that are supportive and comfortable, with a blanket if you need it, are the best bedfellows, along with a good hot water bottle. Cotton and linen allow the body to breathe, and this goes for your PJs as well as your sheets. On your nightstand, place a book that is calming. I've had to break a habit of a lifetime and stop reading my beloved murder mysteries, as they are just too gripping it for a nighttime read. So at the moment, I'm reading The Jeeves Collection by P.G. Woodhouse, as my brain really doesn't have to process those stories. Reading a book calms your eyes your mind and allows rest to come easily. I don't agree that Kindles are appropriate here. Screens really do need to be turned off two hours before you go to bed to avoid blue light and paper is always softer on the eyes. You may also want a journal and pen on your bedside as writing down worries as they come up often breaks the thought loops. Get them down on paper rather than having them take up room in your head. Seeing your anxiety written down can sometimes help you get a better perspective on it all. Water, or drinking water, is a huge aid in controlling the hormones like epinephrine that go into full flow during an anxiety attack. I've linked the Smith et al. 2015 paper entitled Hydration and Beyond, Neuropeptides as Mediators of Hydromineral Balance, Anxiety and Stress Responsiveness. It explains why water intakes aids homeostasis, the Goldilocks point in the last podcast, and how it can give the hypothalamus gland in your brain regulation over the response we have to stress. It's well worth a read, and please don't be put off by the scientific language. It's a great introduction to journal reading if you're not used to doing so. But basically, make sure you drink your water. It helps. And now for the routine. This is the one I follow and I give to my clients and it starts in the morning after I've made my bed. I exercise. It's either a weight-based exercise program that Alice Turrell, my personal trainer, has given me for the week or if I've had a particularly bad night's sleep, it's a slower movement-based exercise based around Pilates. Exercise is a great regulator for absolutely everything. So even if it means getting up earlier than normal, to get some into your day, then make sure you do it. I don't mind if it's in the morning or in the afternoon, just get on moving. 
The second part of the routine is my morning cup of coffee. Oh, how I love it. As it takes 12 hours for caffeine to get out of our systems, I advise that your last cup of full-strength coffee is 12 hours before you go to bed. This means mine is at 10 in the morning, and I make sure it is the best that I can lay my hands on. The ritual I have of grinding the beans, pouring the water over them, getting the brew just right, means that I am satisfied with that one cup. Honouring that coffee ritual as my first work break in the day, somehow means that I don't need any other one. It sounds crazy, but I encourage you to give it a go. The same goes for tea. As my last cup of Assam is about 6pm when I get home from work, I honour that last cup and I'm thankful for it. Then, as the evening rolls in, the screens go off at 8pm. Why so early? I hear you scream at me. It's because sleep is really important and when it's regularly broken and your days are affected by not getting enough, it's vital that we actually make this a priority. Because my bedtime is at 10, my screens have to go off at 8, which gives me enough time for my body and my mind to unwind and slow the heck down. (laughs) Believe me, binge-watching things like Sons of Anarchy before bedtime really isn't going to help. I've tried it. For the two hours before bed, I would encourage you to settle into a pattern of reading or doing a hobby that you enjoy, listening to music or a podcast, and gently just pottering around. You can get yourself ready for the next day if this helps your stress. I know it does for me personally. I tend to pack my bag, clear my desk, check my diary, make sure my lunch is ready to put together, and sort the kitchen out during this time which makes the day ahead work better. I know friends of mine who also start sorting their kids' stuff out during this time in the evening, and this can really help morning management. If you have little ones running around at 7am in the morning who can't find their ties, socks, blazers, shoes, their homework diary isn't signed, and you can't find their backpack, that just adds to stress that you just don't need. Taking half an hour in the evening beforehand whilst you're listening to your favourite radio station to get all of that sorted can really help bring peace to you and your family. And you never know, breakfast may be something you look forward to in the end. Warm baths help to settle the body and getting ready for bed isn't such a chore. They offer time for the tension in the muscles to unwind, your body to sink a little deeper into a state of relaxation And if you enjoy either flicking through a magazine at this time or listening to some music, your mind can be half engaged and half chilling out. I actually really enjoy bath time and I try to do this at least three times a week as part of my wind down session in the evenings. So if you have one, fill it up, get in and enjoy. And now it's time where we bring out the controversial subject out of the wardrobe and shine a light on it, aromatherapy. Aromatherapy for sleep is a subject that is often asked about in the studio and I can understand why. As a massage therapist, high quality organic oils are my jam. Do they work? Well, in 2017, 60 patients in a coronary intensive care unit in Turkey were chosen to be part of a study to see if inhalation of lavender oil would help reduce their anxiety and improve their sleep. The 60 patients were put into two groups. 
One had lavender oil inhalations for 15 minutes and the others just didn't. It was a beautifully simple and clear project. My supervising professor, Nikki Walsh, would have been very impressed. The research paper published by Carriage et al. for the Nursing in Critical Care Journal showed that lavender did indeed help reduce the anxiety and improve the quality of sleep. And I quote, As a non-invasive, cheap, easily applicable, cost-effective, independent nursing intervention and appropriate for cardiac patients, lavender essential oil could be applied in ICUs. There is a lot of snake oil out there, so be really careful if you are deciding to use essential oils in your sleep routines. There are three things that I advise, and the first one is the most important. Don't support multi-level marketing companies that pump out low-grade essential oils. MLMs are worthy of a whole series on their own, but please, just avoid them. If using lavender, avoid spike lavender. It's a type of lavender oil that is very high in camphor and I'm not a fan of it for my clients who are wanting to sleep due to its rather intense scent. Camphor is the scent in Olbus oil that really hits you hard and in fact in my aromatherapy notes for college it was known as the Alsatian compound. I find it very bitey and certainly not conducive to a good night's sleep. Instead I advise my clients to go for Levandula angustifolia or high altitude lavender as it grows over 2,000 feet above sea level and it's filled with ester compounds, the angel wings that lull you to sleep. I love these compounds. They're very soft. They're very gentle. They really help the limbic system and I really like them for sleep. I get all my oils for home and for work from NHR Organic Oils down in Brighton. I do this because they are able to tell you the exact details of the plants that were used and the chemical constitutions for each batch of essential oil produced. In fact, you can request the printout from their laboratory so you know exactly the chemical compound and constitution of each one, which is a really important thing to know. They are the highest quality essential oils that I know of in the United Kingdom and they are registered with the Soil Association, so you know that they're organic and they're as pure as pure as can be. And aromatherapy is personal. If you don't like lavender, don't use it. In fact, my personal blend right now is sweet orange and sandalwood. So feel free to do your own research and try blending yourself. To do it really safely and to get your percentages of essential oil to carrier or base oil, Simply follow the steps given by Susan Curtis in her book, Neil's Yard Remedies Essential Oils. It's the book I go to every single time I need a basic safe as houses reference. It's a fantastic book. So let's recap. Rather than unfolding yourself from the sofa, crusty at 11 o'clock at night, scrubbing your teeth and forgetting to feed the cat before you throw yourself into a crumpled bed that hasn't been made in a week, Set some boundaries and make a peaceful routine. It's time to take the stress out of the anxiety-provoking hours of the night. In all honesty, it's taken me around three or four months to nail a routine that I'm able to do most nights of the week. Five out of seven is my average because I have to do it on work nights. Clients who work on their own routines have reported back that not only does the routine help them to actually sleep, But anecdotally, they see that putting parameters around our anxiety, 
puts them back in control. Their self-responsibility causes the anxiety to diminish to a more controllable problem. No longer does anxiety control them. Which leads us back to what John Deloney says in his book with the encouragement for all of us to create our own ecosystems and what Jordan Peterson says about taking responsibility and making our own goddamn beds. As for night terrors, well, for me, sorting them out has been a work in progress with my psychotherapist. Talking therapies are a must when all around seems out of control and dark. My subconscious is obviously trying to tell me a lot of things and work stuff out in my dreams, and working with Joe has helped the terrors dull down somewhat. It's not perfect yet by any means, and it is slow, but it's certainly working quite well. Talking therapy is becoming much more accepted as a form of therapy here in the UK, and I am always delighted when friends, family and clients say that they are starting a journey to know themselves better through the process. It doesn't need to be a whole Woody Allen experience, which is daily therapy sessions for the rest of your life. Counselors, psychotherapists, talking therapists, listeners, they're there to help you and can be there for you for as long or as short a time as you need. But night terrors and anxiety attacks still hit in the middle of the night. So what do we do then? This advice comes from my dear friend Rachel Alderman who is training in counselling at the moment and is based in the West Country and I have to say it has revolutionised the middle of the nights for me. Rachel encouraged me to turn the lights on as soon as I wake up and once my breathing and heart rate has regulated I get out of bed. Yes, that's right, don't stay there in the dark for hours. Be proactive, go to the bathroom, then make yourself a cup of herbal tea or get a glass of water Sit down in the living room with the side light on. But this is still not an excuse to put a screen on. So whatever you do, make sure it's a peaceful time and blue light free. I normally read a magazine or knit some of my current sweater and my cat, Mr Finchley, normally comes in for a snuggle. It takes about 45 minutes, but after that time, my eyes are ready to fall back to sleep. So I go back to bed. This works more often than you think and peace begins to be the main thing I associate and hopefully you associate to the middle of the night wake-ups rather than lying in bed for hours in the dark with heads spinning, looping on catastrophes that are so ridiculous no one can ever remember them by lunchtime the next day. I really hope that this podcast has helped you if you are one of the millions of people that are suffering from anxiety and sleep issues. The links to the sleep foundations and organisations, all the websites and journal articles and research groups are linked below. Please do go and read them, link up with the societies that offer help and do your own independent thinking. It's part of the self-responsibility and ownership for your personal health, as information gives you armour to fight, so make sure it's made of good quality material. It's been a pleasure to be with you today and thank you for letting me share some of my experiences with you also. Please keep in touch with all of the team here at Therapy Unwound. We would love to hear from you and all our contact details and social media links are below also. Tell us what you would like us to cover in the future and it would be great to hear your opinions. In the podcast next week, we will be delving into all things massage therapy and anxiety. And I'm really looking forward to sharing that with you. So please do join us then. Have a great week and we shall be here again for you next Friday. Have a blessed and fulfilled time. Take care. Bye.